right. Well, hey, good morning. It's good to see you guys here uh, this morning. My name is Seth. I'm one of the pastors uh, here uh, at Salem. So uh, we're going to be diving back into uh, the Gospel of Mark here uh, in a moment. But uh, you might remember uh, that this last week was Celebration Sunday. And uh, it's one of the things I love most. I love that rhythm uh, as, as one of the things that we do here at church. And we get to celebrate uh, really who God is, but, um, but what He's doing in us and through us, right? And so you kind of put all those together and it's just a really fun day. And I think it's celebrating, uh, enjoying those times and laughing and just praising like, and in that way is just such an important, powerful uh, thing for us uh, in, in the church. And so uh, you might remember that we did some child dedications. And, you know, so from our perspective, you know, we look at that, we go, gosh, these are parents who have the courage and the boldness to stand up front and say, man, like, like I love Jesus and we want our kid to love Jesus. And so we're going to do the best that we can with your help. Uh, and then we want to give that message and that life to Jesus. And so together uh, as a church that we do that. And I love that. And we also celebrate the idea of baptisms, you know, as people stand go, man, like, hey, I'm, I'm at a space where I go, like, I really, I know this is something that Jesus wants us to do, asks us to do, and, and I love Jesus, and, and I'm in a space where I go, man, I want to make this, like, the real deal, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all out for Jesus, and I want to follow uh, him, and so those are things that we celebrate, and it's just so fun. It's so neat to see God at work and, and to really, um, to, to really just celebrate, right? That's so important. Uh, we also looked at some of those ministry things, but one thing that we did not look at this last week, um, but we get to today as we kind of continue that theme, uh, is the idea of the community gardens, okay? So this last year, uh, we started at community gardens. The first year, here's how it's designed. It's not designed for it to be like this little fortress where just Salem people come. It's designed as a bridge, and it's a bridge for us into the community. Um, and, it's such, and it had so much fruit, guys, this year. It was so cool, and I can't wait to tell you um, about that. And you can kind of see it here it is in its starting phases, right? The fence was just up, gate's still off. People, you know, already started planting. Things are just starting to grow. Um, and it, obviously, things continue to grow and continue to produce, and it gets a little bit more. Uh, and we don't have a big picture of, you know, like a picture of like when everything was at its height. And when you do, I'm like, man, it's kind of like a mini jungle back there. I mean, it was just so full. There was so much stuff going on back there. And I just want to give you a glimpse of uh, how much produce came out of that, okay? Just, we're just going to do the top five really quick. First one is this. It, we produced 500 pounds of tomatoes. And you're like, how, how heavy is a tomato, Seth? I don't know, but it's not a pound, so it's more than 427 pounds. More than 427 tomatoes. First service, I was like, so tons and tons. I was like, nope, that's wrong. Just 407, 27 pounds of tomatoes. But also 160 pounds, or excuse me, almost 200 pounds of cucumbers, 160 pounds of zucchini. That's a lot of zucchini bread. Um, 143 pounds of beans. Again, like think of how much a bean weighs, you know? How many beans is that? That's crazy. Uh, and 124 pounds of, of peppers. And you're like, oh man, my goodness, that's crazy, right? And so right, there's so much produce that came out of that. But I want to tell you just really quick and just celebrate some of the stories that came out of that because part of what this does is that, again, and part of its bridge and it's designed to be a bridge is that it fosters relationship. And so here's one, just a couple of quick stories. One, there was a, uh, I think it was a gal, but I'm not sure someone was driving by from the community and they came to talk to Ken Apple, who was uh, the head of our Boaz bike ministry. And Boaz is designed, you know, to take older bike and used bikes and to fix them up and then to be able to give them back into the community uh, as a way, uh, just a free for people who need transportation, need bikes. And so someone came, that's a, a huge ministry in and of itself. Someone came to see Ken and to get a bike. They saw the community garden. They said, this is incredible. Can I join right now? 
There's another um, gal who was driving from the community, and she drove by, happened to see everybody out, and so she stopped in. She pulled in on Monday night, and she said, I'm so glad that you're here. I live in the community, and I saw you guys, and I've driven past this so many times, but I've never seen people, and so now that I drove past, I saw you, and I wanted to come say hi. Can I be a part of this? Can I join right now? <laughs> it was just so cool, right? We had people... Um, from our own community, uh, bring graduate students, uh, new Americans. We have people bring their, their friends, their coworkers, their neighbors. Like, and so it's just in function. It's, it's building these relationships. I go, man, that's produce. You know, like we're talking about stuff that's producing out of the ground, but the real fruit is the, is the lives and those relationships and how, they're, and how they're being impacted, right? And so here's what I love about this. Like as we celebrate what God is, is doing, and that's just year one. Like we fully expect that to kind of explode next year and to do even better. So as we think about that, though, as we come out of this theme of celebrating, we come to, to Mark chapter 4, and it fits perfectly because Jesus is about to, to share the very first parable that Mark records, and it's a parable about soils. It's a parable about, it's about produce and growth, right? And what we're going to find is that, at least in part, not fully because the Holy Spirit has a huge part in this, but at least in part, how much you and I grow is dependent on how well we listen to Jesus, and it's super important. It's super important, like how, how well we actually listen to Jesus. And we've been in this series in Mark, and we've, we've said this kind of over and over, right, is that the church is designed to be and needs to be, right? So it's both, right? It's designed this way, but it also it doesn't always function that way. And so we need to be a community of people who are united, right? This is the most important thing around a vision of the real life and ministry of Jesus. Right? Like, so in the sense of like, like we're not following Jesus from back here in this fill in the blanks, but that we're following the real Jesus from up close, like, like, like so close to the dirt from his sandals is clinging to our garments, right? We want to follow that Jesus, but also that was 2,000 years ago. We need to do that now in the real context of where we live right now. So what does that really, what does it really look like? So we've been in Mark, right? And we're discovering, we're coming to grips really with the real Jesus, okay? And so we're going to dive in back into Mark chapter 4, uh, verse 1. And maybe this is the first time you're going to hear this. Maybe this is the hundredth, um, but I'll say this later. Um, make sure you listen, okay? Make sure you listen. This is super important. Whether it's your first time or your hundredth time hearing this story, make sure you listen. Here we go. Verse 1. It says, again, he began to teach beside the sea, which we were just pause already. I just love the rhythms of Jesus in this. He keeps going back to the same place. It's like you go to the same grocery store over and over and over. Here's Jesus. He goes to the sea. It's like his third or fourth time. He just keeps going back to the sea. And Mark, and this is where he does ministry over and over and over. And he goes back. But things are changing for Jesus. Because there's all of a sudden it says, and a very large crowd gathered about him. Now, crowds, guys, crowds, that's not abnormal for Jesus. Jesus is the creator, we're the created. And so something inside of us is intrinsically wired to come to Jesus because he's got the answers that we're looking for. Whether we know the questions or not, he's got the answers. And so we gravitate to Jesus, right? That's super important for us to, uh, to remember, right? But here's the reality is that Mark, this is the first time that Mark has said this, it's a very large crowd. Just a couple of weeks ago, we saw that the crowd was so big that they, Jesus was scared he was going to trample them. All of a sudden, now it's a very, like, what is that? A thousand? Ten thousand? 
100,000? I don't know. Mark doesn't tell us. It's a very large crowd. And they come and they flock to Jesus. And the crowds have been growing. We've been seeing this with Jesus' ministry, right? Like people are coming from every single direction to Jesus, from the north, from the east, and from the south. Not to the west because that's the Mediterranean Sea. But every other direction, people are flocking to Jesus. And the diversity of this group is growing because it's not just Jews, it's now the Gentiles. It's the people beyond the Jordan River that normal Jews would be like, man, I don't want to touch them. That's, that's bad. That's bad country. Those bad people. And yet they're like, man, we don't care what the Jews think. We just want to be by Jesus because he's the creator. Not that they knew that, but they're drawn to him. And so people are flocking, people from Tyre and Sidon, they're flocking to Jesus. You go, man, this is the success of Jesus. He's like, we can't fit in the synagogue anymore. Let's just build a wall right here. Grab Everybody grab a rock. Many hands make light work, okay? You, you're really big. You grab two rocks. And let's build it. Let's build it right here. Now, you see, look at this. And I think in Jesus in this moment, I I just wonder if Jesus looks out in the crowd. Because we see there's a diversity of people, different cultures and ethnicities, right? And different stories. But all of a sudden, we begin to see something deeper. There's a diversity of heart that's represented in the people. Because as Jesus was looking out of the crowd, he might see that one woman. She's a little tipsy. Because she's had a little too much wine already. It's only 10 a.m. Addicted to too much wine. You pan to the left, and Jesus maybe sees the guy over there, and he just can't keep his eyes off that woman. Keeps flicking back and forth because he's got a lust problem. And you see the cynic, the skeptic. You see all sorts of people, and then you realize in that moment that not everybody in this zone is in the same space. It's not just a diversity on the outside of what defined, what appearances might define you, is there's a diversity of the heart. Everybody is in a different place. And the same thing like this morning, right? We come to this morning. Some of you are in different places. Some of you are going to be more receptive to Jesus this morning, and some of you are not. And that's what we're going to find. And at the end of the today, what we're going to do is we're just going to put the ball on your court and say, it's up to you and Jesus, because I can't do anything about it. But I'm going to tell you what Jesus said, okay? All right, so here we go. This is how Jesus starts this. It says, verse 2, right? Which, by, actually, let me just take a step back because this is, this is unique, is that this crowd is so big, and I forgot to mention this, crowd is so big that there they are on the shore that Jesus needs to get in a boat, he gets back, and, then, and he's got this message that he wants to communicate, and so by being in the boat, he allows his voice to carry over the water, so it's like this natural thing. Like when we, when we were in Israel, um, you know, this last summer, which by the way, keep praying for Israel, guys. Keep praying just because it's global doesn't mean it's not significant. Guys, this is huge. Pray for all parties. Let's keep that in our prayers. But guys, when we were there this summer, like it's hard to hear. We're just a group of 30 or 40 people. It's hard to hear, right? And we have these little things that they put in your ears that makes you look like a fake CIA agent. Like, you walk around, and if, like, if people didn't know better, because like, everybody's a tourist is pretty much using them, they'd be like, man, that guy's important. He's got 30 guards. I'd be like, we wouldn't have been very good ones, because we'd be like, ah, look at that! Look at that! You know, like, we were so absorbed by Israel, like, and by being in the place, right? That, yeah. But there was at one point, I remember, well, I felt like I was like a quarter mile away, but I could hear Joseph right in my ear. He's telling me all about it. I'm like, man, listening's hard. Listening's hard right? And so what Jesus does, he gets in this boat and he allows the voice to carry across the water to this very large crowd. And this is what he says. Verse 2, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, 
listen. Like he's got to gather everyone's attention, right? Hey, listen up. Hey, hey, you, listen. Got something I want to say. Here it goes. Oh, what's Jesus going to say? Here it goes. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And hey, guys, immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil, right? When the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out, and it yielded no grain. And still other seeds, they fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold, 500 pounds of tomatoes, he says. He who has ears to hear, let him hear, right? That's the story. Now, it's easy to get lost in a lot of different pieces of this, and there's pieces in this that are highly debated. But I want to call your attention to one thing that I think is where it starts, and it's just with the idea of listening. It's where Jesus, that's the first word he uses before he even tells the parable. He says, here's, the, here's what I want you to know. Listen. Whatever that, whatever that came out as, listen. Listen up. And here's what I want you to know. Guys, this fundamentally, guys, listening to another person. Listening to another person is functionally one of the hardest things you'll ever do. And you're like, yeah, I do it all the time. Yeah, no, I'm talking about really, 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 really listening to the point where you can listen and ask questions until you're blue in the face and you don't interject because you disagree. Really listening to another person is functionally one of the hardest things that you will ever do. And you're like, ah, oh, I don't really get it. Okay, let's, let's take a look, okay? So let's come back to the board. And we've used this illustration before, but this is, this is fundamental to to the biblical story, right? Is that if this is earth, right? God created earth and he creates, you know, all the universe, right? And so there's the stars and boo, expanded way out there, right? But here on earth, what we look at with, with, with Adam and Eve, right? As God designed us, we are designed to be selfless. This is the way in right working order. This is when the shalom of God is present in creation because everything is in right working order. Shalom or peace is not just the absence of conflict. It's when everything is working the way that it's designed to. Now, sin functionally totally disrupts that, which is why then when sin entered into the world, this whole thing flip-flopped, right? And so instead of being selfless, we became selfish, right? And this is so simple, and maybe we're reducing it to the, to the most basic things, but this is the reality. This is how you and I function. This is our disposition, is that at the end of the day, that now you and I, what we were designed to do was to, was to focus on each other, to focus on God, to focus on right, him and that relationship, and yet now, what do we do? We focus entirely on ourselves. And so what we do is that we build our own kingdoms, right? This is the way that, that functionally sin operates. Here's Adam and here's Eve. Right, you think about how communication would have broke down in the early days, you know, like when Shalom was present and Adam and Eve were talking, you know, think about how great that would have been. Oh, it's so good. Tell me about your day. Oh, I named some animals. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? What was that like? And we start talking about those things. That's chronologically wrong, by the way. That's not right. But here we go. So they're, all of a sudden, they're in this spot. When sin enters in the world, what's Adam's immediate response? God's like, hey, what's wrong? He's like, nope, she did it. Communication breaks. Everything is broken, and all of a sudden, we're not in a posture of listening. We're now in a posture of defending. 
And this is why this is so, this is why I, like, like really listening to another person, this is why this is functionally one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Because your goal, apart from Jesus, and even sometimes with Jesus, your goal, whether you know it or not, is that you're building your own kingdom. And so all of a sudden, you begin to think about how hard that would be for them. Now you think about the entirety of humanity right? And they're all communicating, and they're all expressing their desires about life, and yet the problem is, is that every single one of them is defending their own posture. They're all defending, this is the way that I think life is supposed to be. Really, you're saying that this is the way life is supposed to be, but what you're really saying is this is the way that I want it to be. This is what happens. This is why listening to somebody else is so stinking hard. But this is when you look at Jesus. So for us who are in this, right, Jesus' goal is to flip this upside down. Right? He wants to re-invert this back into the right way. So what does he do? He brings heaven into the conversation. And that's what Mark is constantly tracking. It's about the kingdom of God. Now, when we think about the kingdom, what we oftentimes do is we think about heaven being like way over here. Like, we just want to go, like, depart from this ooey-gooey sinful body and this broken world, and we want to escape. And Jesus is like, guys, that's not really true. There's some truth, like eternal life is over there, but here's the reality. Here's how this works right now, is that I have brought the kingdom of heaven to you. And this is where we are. This is the new reality. This is what Mark is describing and what Jesus' message is all about because he sees the posture of humanity and says that's not the way that it's designed to be. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to reverse that. We're going to flip it back right side up, make the kingdom right again. But the way to do that, oh, by the way, is this little word called repent. You got to turn. You got to turn from that and you got to come to me. But here's where it gets neat. This is where it gets interesting. This is where we get into our passage today. Is because that Jesus, he looks at this, he knows that listening, really listening to another person is fundamentally one of the hardest things you'll ever do. So how does he start? He says, here's the deal. I want you to listen. It's that simple. This is your posture this morning. Don't claim otherwise. And so here's my question to each of us, myself included. Seth, are you listening? Are you really listening? Okay, this is where we, this is where we really start, right? Um, and so and this is how Jesus does this, right? Jesus knows that we're terrible listeners. And so in order to help communicate what he's doing or what he wants us to get, he uses these things called parables, right? And in parable, you're like, what's a parable? Here's what a parable's not. A parable is not a short, pithy saying that's uber clear that makes you want to be a better person. Like, you don't, like, Jesus doesn't give a parable. You're like, oh, wow, light bulb. Everything makes, that was so clear, Jesus. Thank you. I know, know how to be a better dad. Better husband. Ah, wrong. That's not. Here's here's what a parable is. A parable is a short fictional story that uses everyday life or objects to invoke questions and contemplation around the nature of the kingdom that will inevitably force you and I to make a decision about Jesus. You're like, that's a lot of words. And I'm like, yeah, now you know. 
It's not so simple, and it's not so clear, and it's not so easy. Guys, the parable that Jesus just shared with his people, guys, this is the parable about why he uses parables, because he's teaching you how to be a listener. He's teaching you to be a good listener, a really good listener. And what parables do by nature is that they force you to do all the real work. See, Jesus doesn't come, guys, how much, like in our culture, we value clearness, conciseness, and yet Jesus was rarely ever of those. Oftentimes, people are like, hey, like just imagine like Jesus reading this parable, he's like, hey guys, okay, are we good, are we clear? Yeah, Jesus, I was super clear. Now, somebody's going to be like, no, that wasn't clear at all, Jesus, I can tell you what's clear is that that was clearly confusing. That's what was clear. (laughs) You're like, Right? You see, Jesus uses these parables to force you and I to do the real thinking. And it doesn't matter that we're 2,000 years removed, right? What he's forcing us to do is to think about our relationship with Jesus as king and the kingdom that he's building. That's what a parable is designed to do. So when he shares all about this, he starts with the word listen. He's listen up, listen. See, we can, just, like, we can just like breeze right past us and get stuck in all of the ins and outs and all the, the weird things of this parable. And I think that Jesus is like, hey, here's where it starts. Listen, listen, listen. This is where, this is where it starts. And if you don't know, like, you know, so he's telling the, this parable, right? Like he talks about a path. This is because the, in back in those days, like there's paths between the agricultural fields. And when people walked on them, they got trampled down. So they became hard. Seed just bounces off of it. The rocky ground, yeah. What's the common, like, is this a big, huge, fertile area? No. What's it mostly made out of? Rock, limestone, right? And so in some places, you got two to three inches of soil, right? And then it's rock. And that's what happens. They go, and then they stop. So then when it grows, it dies because it has no roots. And the others are the thorns, right? And these things just choke out, right? And then you've got the good soil, though. That's what he's talking about. There's good soil, though, right? Some that bears fruit that's 30 and 60 or 100. And so he ends, and he's like, hey, guys, here's the deal. If you have ears, which, that's rhetorical, right? Because everybody's got ears. And this one guy's like, hey, what about Timmy? He didn't even born without an ear. That's not the point. Everybody, just listen. Everybody listen. That's the point. Parables are designed to make us really listen, to contemplate. I just said this, but they're designed to make you and I contemplate our relationship with Jesus as king and the kingdom that he's building. That's what a parable is designed to do. And so we titled this sermon like some people, right? Because here's the reality is that some people, when they hear that parable, when they hear that, some people's going to be like, <laughs> what? That's ridiculous. My cousin Eddie, he lives in Capernaum. He's an accountant. He knows nothing about farming, but he knows that that's wrong. That's not how you farm. He's clearly not a good farmer. He put it all in the wrong spots. Why would you put, why would you put seeds on a path? Why, all you had to do was take a stick, a sharp stick, and if it goes thud on the rock, you know you don't plant there. And if there's thorns, nah, yeah, you probably shouldn't plant there either. This is a terrible farmer. I'm out of here. What a waste of time. This is the guy that everybody's flocking to? Nah, I'm out. Some people, though, are going to go, man, I get it, conceptually. 
I, I, I kind of was kind of wrestling with some of those things, but yeah, it's interesting. Makes me makes me kind of think. But some people, guys, some people, they're gonna go, man, what does that mean? Jesus, you told that story. All of a sudden, something was stirring inside of me, and I couldn't help but think that you were talking about me. I need to figure this out. Where do I fit? Like, what, what does this do for me? How does this impact my life? And all of a sudden, you look at the, 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 the breadth of those people, and that's what a parable is designed to do, and you go, this is exactly where Jesus wants us to be. It's exactly where Jesus wants us to be. And so this is where we pause. You pause right here. You hit the pause button in the story and you come back and we say this again because we remember that listening, guys, is one of the functionally, is one of the hardest things that you will ever do. Like really listen to someone else. And so if this is the first time hearing this story, you go, oh. maybe some of you guys already checked out. Somebody's like, fantasy football, I'm winning. You know, maybe some of you guys are like, I've heard this story a hundred times. I heard another preacher do it. He did it way better, so I'm out. I'm checking out. You see? I'll push pause. Where's your heart right now? Are you listening? And I don't mean just listening. I mean, are you really listening? Because this is where Jesus is going. This is where Jesus is getting at. So this is where we get to the purpose of the parables, right? So we shift away from the crowd. The crowd, right, tends to, it leaves, it goes somewhere. We don't know where, Mark doesn't tell us, but it just says is that when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables, right? So here's the reality is that the crowd is gone, and then there's this select number of people who go, man, like maybe these are the good soul people. They're like, Jesus, I got to know. I got to know more. Something's stirring inside of me. I just need to know, like, where, where, where do I fit in the story? Like, I feel like you're talking about me. And so, like, they come. And it's not just the 12, but there's other people around. But the bulk of the crowd is gone, which, by the way, was a very, very, very large crowd. What percentage stayed? I don't know. That's helpful. Maybe that's in a footnote. Maybe it tells you. I don't know. Doesn't tell you that. Don't go look. I'm guessing it's a pretty small percentage that stay, right? And here's what Jesus responds. He doesn't just right away answer the question, at least not the way that Mark records it. Here's what he says. He says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. You see, Jesus is setting up, a, he's setting up a contrast. He's setting up a distinction between outsiders and insiders, and there's so much that I could unpack and draw on this board to help you understand. And if you want to come talk to me afterwards, I'm glad to do that. But we don't have the time to really do that this morning. Here's what I would say is that when we talk about the secret of the kingdom of heaven, who's the, who's the holder of that secret? Jesus. Here's what I love. Like I got a, I got a five-year-old daughter and and, uh, and every once in a while, like, she thinks it's fun to, like, tell me a secret. Pretty sure she just makes it up as she goes. But she says, I got a secret. And so when she runs in the room, she's like, Dada, I got a secret for you. I'm like, oh, this is so great. I have no clue what's going to come out of your mouth. It's going to be so great. And so she comes up, and, and she gets up in my ear, and she's like, noodle brain. <laughs> I'm like, man, that's such a great secret. Wait, am I a noodle brain? What's the, what's the secret? It doesn't matter, right? The point is, is that the secret, that's what was in her head, that was in her heart. She was the holder of that secret. The only way that that secret would have been revealed to me was by her telling me. I can't figure it out on my own. 
I can't deduce it by numbers. I can't do any of those things, right? I can ask her questions and maybe through that, but that's part of the point. She has to reveal it to me, right? Something that has to be given. So the holder of the secret about the kingdom is Jesus. And really, here's the thing. Here's what he's saying, is that if you want to know, and if you come, I will share with you. If you come, if you seek, you will find. If you come to me, I will share, right? That is the thing, right? Because remember the whole, like the very large crowd is all gone, but it's just a few people who have stayed. And so that's where he's setting up this distinction between insiders and outsiders. He's like, hey, you guys are on the inside because you stayed. You came to me. You came and asked all these questions, which by the way, when we talk about this, just like, hey, even the Old Testament prophets, they understood this reality, He says that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand. It's like the people in the very large crowd who are like, man, I'm out of here. Whereas the people who are like, man, yeah, that makes conceptual sense, but I got to get home for dinner. You know, and they leave. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. Guys, the reality is that both of them hear the exact same parable. This is not vindictive of Jesus. Mark gives us no evidence that the crowd has come and asked Jesus for answers. And they're like, hey, hey, Jesus, can you tell us more? Can you explain that a little bit? He's like, well, actually, oh, wait, no, I see what you're doing there. (laughs) No, you can't. No information for you. Um, It's not for you. It's not for you. It's really only for you, 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 you. That's not what's happening in Mark. It's the crowd that leaves. Now, there's other passages that talk about things that are related to that in Scripture, but I think here, Mark gives us no evidence. What Jesus is saying is, if you come, I will give it to you. If you come and ask questions, I will share that with you. It's those who are seeking to understand. They're the ones who get to know the heart of Jesus. It's not a salvation thing. He's not saying that. He's saying that if you've got questions, if you want to know the answers, here's what you do. You come to me. He makes himself at the center of this, which, by the way, I think it's important for us to highlight who are the people who typically respond to Jesus' call. Is it the people that you would think? No. Who oftentimes responds? It's the people who are so broken, who are so desperate for Jesus, that maybe they're just better listeners. And so when I think about this, like how long... This is maybe going to sound convicting, and maybe it will be, but it's not my intention. I just want to ask a question. How long have you been coming to church? Because sometimes that makes it really hard for us to listen, too. I'm not saying don't come to church. Please don't say that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that sometimes our heart, even inside the church, maybe isn't as receptive as we sometimes think because it forces us to challenge. It's why we keep going back in Mark to this idea of like, am I following Jesus because I'm able to fill in the blanks from a distance? Jesus was born in Bethlehem, yeah. Or am I following Jesus from right here in like inside the words, inside the story that that I'm captivated by the real Jesus that's being portrayed in the scriptures. I captured it, captivated by him. All of a sudden, now I begin to ask myself this question a little bit differently. Am I listening? Am I listening? Which Jesus says, by the way, right, this is the fundamental parable. Right? You go into verse, 13, or verse 13. This is how he transitions as he explains to them what this is all about. Because they've asked the question. He's just given them an Old Testament thing. But then he says, he asks them a question. He says, hey, 
Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? Guys, he's not being vindictive, right? He's just putting himself at the center, and it's just, it's rhetorical. He says, how will you know? You'll know if you come talk to me. You'll know if you put me at the center. If you gather around me, I will explain it to you. And guess what? Take it one step further. If you follow me, I'll even show it to you. That's what he's talking about, right? He's not mocking the disciples. He's saying, this is the first and foremost. This is the parable about why I teach parables. And it's all about listening. You want to understand all the rest of the parables? You better wrestle with this one. That's what he's saying. How then will you know? come to Jesus. That's how you'll know. Guys, when we said this earlier, like in our culture, we value clarity and conciseness, and the reality is that Jesus is rarely both of those, right? He's clearly confusing, and yet Jesus was never confused. He said exactly what he wanted to say and exactly what he needed to say to get you and I to come to grips with Jesus being the king of a kingdom that he is building. That's what parables are about. Then he explains the parable. Here you go. Verse 14. It says, The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then with, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, guess what? Immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Here's the contrast. I love how all these other words, all those other sentences just started with the word and. It's like a conjunction, conjunction, conjunction. And then you get to verse 20, which is the contrast. Verse 20, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold end of parable. And the only people who got to hear were the people who came to Jesus people who came to Jesus. I guess I want to take you back to this picture of the community garden. Because what we were doing is we were talking, right? This is perfect, perfect alignment. When we talk about produce, we talk about growing, we talk about soils, right? Like that would have been no good out there if we would have like brought in a steamroller and then packed it tight and then tried to plant. It would have been no good if we would have put an entire slab of limestone rock three inches under and then tried to grow a community garden, Right? It'd be no good if we would have planted a whole bunch of thorns in there and then just said, all right, here we go. Seeds, hooray. You see, what we needed was good soil. But the real produce of that is the relationships. It's the growth that comes out of that, of that area. Guys, and here's what I'll tell you. I know the Holy Spirit has such an important role. Scripture is very clear about that, but at least in part, how much you and I grow in our relationship with Jesus is dependent on how well we actually listen. Where's your heart this morning? How well are you actually listening? We're in a series on Mark, and we're coming to grips with the real Jesus, and the only way that the real Jesus is going to take root is if we have good soil. That's the only way. 
Otherwise, we're just going to perpetuate and perpetuate and perpetuate. Guys, we've got to be good listeners. I want to end with these things. We've got to be good listeners because that's the focus of this passage. Listen, listen, listen. Are you listening? What's the Spirit speaking to you right now about your heart? Guys, I, I think, and you can ask me about it later, and I'm happy to explain it. There's a lot of Greek and technical jargon, but I think that Mark gives us an insight and some clues as to the people that Jesus is actually talking to. I think that from Mark's perspective, the people in the crowd were in the rocky ground. And it kind of makes sense, right? Because if you're a crowd and you come to Jesus with eagerness and you receive it quickly, but all of a sudden it goes down, it hits that rock, and then they leave, they go away, trials and tribulations, whatever happens, they get distracted and then it's done. And that's it. I think that that's who is the primary people, primary target in the, in the audience of Jesus' day. And you can ask me about it, I'm happy to share with you. But I don't think that that's probably the same type of group of people that are in the church this, this morning. Guys, I, I mean, I think that the world, in the world, there's a lot of people who are hard paved ground. And you throw that seed, it's going to bounce right off. And no matter how hard you throw it, no matter how high your stool is, it ain't going to work. Not good method, right? And there are people with rocky ground in the world. But guys, I think that one of the biggest struggles that we have in the American church is actually the example of the thorns. And here's why. Because notice that Jesus doesn't say anything about the soil, the soil isn't rocky, right? It's not a hard path. In fact, I think it actually assumes that the soil is somewhat good. The problem is, is that it grows these roots deep, but then when it comes up, there are thorns that choke out the word. It doesn't say that it dies. It says that it proves unfruitful. And I wonder if for many of us in today's life, in our culture, see Jesus that way because that's the American culture. We love Jesus, but we love everything else. And what ends up happening is those thorns can grow and choke out the word. And here we are, we still exist and we still love Jesus, but gosh, the real Jesus seems so far away. And how he impacts our lives, the amount of grace and compassion that I feel from him or the mission and the purpose that I feel from him are, are, are just are choked out. And the reality is, is that a distracted heart is a divided heart. And that's part of the, the thing Jesus says. You can't love both God and money. You're either going to hate the one or love, and love the other or the, vice versa. Right? And so Jesus talks about the dangers of those things, right? You're living a life. You and I can be living a life of competing values where Jesus keeps getting choked out. A divided, a distracted heart is a divided heart. And the last one is this. Last one is this, is like just, I want you to be a good listener for other people's hearts. Because I think so often times in life, guys, you look at people, maybe it's the way they dress, the way they sound, the way they do their work, uh, doesn't matter, but we, it's the way they drive their cars as we look at them, some people, some people. And yet what we'd miss is that their story is very different than ours, and the soil in which they are in is very different. Guys, we gotta learn how to be good gardeners. Good gardeners of, of our hearts, in other people's hearts. Are you listening? Let's pray. Father, Lord, as we finish up this morning, as we think about your word, as we think about this parable, this is the first parable recorded in Matthew and Mark and Luke, and, and I think of significance because it's Jesus' way of saying, guys, we need to understand. We're going to get into a lot more parables, and if we're going to understand any of those, we need to understand this one, and the way to understand this one is to come to Jesus. 
And so this morning, Lord, I pray that we would come to you, that we would be really good listeners this morning because listening is functionally one of the hardest things that, that we will ever do. Because in all of our brokenness, Jesus, in all of our failure, in all of our understanding, Lord, where would we run? We would run to you. And in order, it's because of Jesus' life and because of Jesus' death and because of the resurrection that, that he makes it possible for us to open our ears to hear in a new way. And as Jesus proclaimed, like, if you have ears to hear, let him hear. And so this morning, I pray that we'd not be so absorbed in our worlds, that selfishness would not be the reigning posture in us, but that Jesus would be flipping and inverting the kingdom upside down, moving us to selflessness, that we would listen to Jesus with open ears in a new way. And say, man, I want more of Jesus in my life. In all things, good and challenging. Lord, we love you. And hear me pray.